Hunters family. Uh, I want to first start out by thanking the Leongs for helping me make this little intro. Uh, they, I've asked them if they could do something to make the introduction seem a little more interesting than just starting to hear my voice. So it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I'm thankful for them so that the Lord used their gifts to help uh, improve this podcast as a way to help you guys edify all of us. <laughs> um, as uh, I said it last week, uh, we're going to go through a new series for this week, and it's really the Book of Philemon. Um, the Book of Philemon is just something I've been thinking a lot about these this last few months, <clears throat> particularly because we're in a time where there's this thing called cancel culture. Um, cancel culture, <clears throat> from what I've uh, researched, is basically about uh, a person, usually an individual, uh, that gets because of something they've done in the past, or something they've said, or something they've discovered, um, they're basically ousted. <clears throat> they're exiled, or they're, uh, they're ex- uh, the culture as a whole ex- expects them to basically go away. Uh, some people have lost their jobs, other people have lost their notoriety, uh, other people lost their positions, and this is just um, the culture that we live in. Uh, and, you know, this idea of cancel culture is really unbiblical. I would say it's demonic, because it... It thrives on the failures of the past. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope or redemption. There's nothing. Um, it's just ending the person and ending their livelihood and all of that. Now, we understand that that's how the world is, but you do understand that this also happens in the context of the church. There are those in the church that refuse to forgive uh, because of something that's happened in the past, some wrong that they've uh, that someone has done to them, and they refuse to forgive. Uh, they refuse to let things go. They refuse to look past the sins that's committed to them by a brother or sister in the church. Um, and usually, uh, the result of that is that they, um, they, they there's like a, a schism. There's a division. There's a tension, and there's conflict. And if a lot of the conflict in the context of our church, in every church really, in the home and just Christian life, a lot of the issues can be resolved if people are willing to forgive one another. Um, you, if you understand that uh, forgiveness is, is actually part of uh, what Christ has done, it, it's, it's one of those communicable attributes um, of God that He forgives, and therefore we can forgive as well. Um, if you truly understand that, then there should be no one in your life that you can't forgive. Um, if you read this book, there are, these are real people that went through real pain. And um, Paul instructs them to use love to cover it, um, to, uh, to forgive them. In fact, what's interesting about this book, although the theme of this book is forgiveness, forgiveness, the word itself doesn't actually come up in the entire book. It's kind of like when I went through the book of Esther, it's about God's sovereignty, but the name of God never appears in the book. Um, <clears throat> and I, thought that, I find that to be very interesting because as Paul's writing this letter to uh, Philemon, um, he's, he He's supposed, the, uh, Philemon is supposed to read this and understand what he must do, and we'll see that as we, as we go through this this chapter or this this, this whole book this week. Um, you know, when we think of the topic of forgiveness, Matthew eighteen is the one that always comes to mind. That's the passage that most people think about. Um, you know, Jesus speaks of this parable of someone that uh, this this uh, wicked slave uh, servant. Um, he was forgiven a lot. But then when someone else came and had to owe him little, he wasn't willing to forgive, right? You, you, you're familiar with the story. Um, the first one was supposed to owe him thousands of talents, which is about 
11 years worth of of um of wages and the the second person the slave that was owed the first guy was only 100 a denarii which is about 100 days worth of wages so 11 years in relative to the 100 now understand that even in this story the 100 that that the pain is still there um it's not to say that the pain is not real but it is still there but in relative to how much we've sinned against the lord is nothing i think that's what the point of that uh that that parable is is that if you look at your own sin in relative to god um you realize that you should be able to forgive the others now this doesn't dismiss the sin that's been done um it just means that in relatively in relatively speaking your sin against the Lord is far worse and far greater than the one that's committed against you. This is why it is so offensive to God when the people of God chooses not to forgive. In fact, you are most like God when you're willing to forgive others, especially those in the church. Before we go into the background, let me start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, may you use teach us through your word by the Holy Spirit to be uh, more like your son uh, in the in the way that we forgive one another um, uh, fill the holes that are in our lives that are missing um, uh, and may we strive to forgive in the way that you forgave us pray this study will be helpful to all of us in son's name amen <laughs> background of this book is that this was written um, when paul was in Colossae, and he was this one of the prison epistles he was in jail um but somewhere in the t- uh, in his, his pastoral ministry, he actually met this guy named Philemon. Philemon, and based on the text we see here, he seems to be someone that is uh, very wealthy. In fact, we'll just read through the first three verses today. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphria, our sister, and to Achippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is uh, a, a letter that Paul is writing to this person named Philemon. Philemon seems to be, based on just looking at verse 2, that um, it's the church is in his house. Uh, this person, Philemon, probably got saved when Paul was during his mission, during one of his missionary journeys to Ephesus, and he, he evangelizes to him, he gets saved, and then the whole the, the church is actually in his own home, uh, which implies that he's a pretty wealthy individual, which also makes sense why he has a slave. Um, a slave at that time is something that is um, it's, it's unique in the sense that it's different from what we think. When we think of slavery, we think of what happened in American slavery. But back then in the, old, in the New Testament time, slavery was different. Um, they were Slaves back then were able to redeem themselves. Uh, it, was, it was just a way of life. People, it, was, it was seen as like another profession. Uh, slaves were even able to uh, win their freedom. Uh, there are these uh, Olympic-type games. Back then, if they won, they were able to uh, get back. They were able to basically win their freedom. Um, and, you know, certain slaves uh, were treated uh, poorly. But it seems as though when the New Testament time came that the, the relationship between slaves and masters started being different. Because in the, throughout the New Testament letters, it says that uh, we need to. There's no distinction between slave and gen, slave and masters, and Gentile and Jews, and men and women, and that there should be a heart that's different. And I think that that's why um, slavery in the Bible was different, um, because the people are different. They're changed. Um, and even in the Old Testament, uh, there are times when in Deuteronomy it speaks about when when the slave at that time, when they uh, after several years of servitude. servitude if they want to stay with the master, they will say, um, you know, do an ear piercing kind of ritual and it's to show the world that this slave is now 
uh, want to be part of the family forever. And, and sometimes the slave will even get the inheritance of the family. So New Testament time, these like people that are saved, the masters that are redeemed, um, their attitude towards the slaves uh, are different. That's why I think Paul's writing this letter. Um, Onesimus is the slave that seems that has ran away. Um, at some point before this letter, Onesimus was this, um, was one of the slaves that um, probably stole from his master and, and fled. Um, and somehow, uh, during Paul's uh, just it's, it is it's that um, revealed in Scripture. But at some point, Onesimus meets Paul, and Paul uh, witnesses to him. He gets saved, and now he even calls Onesimus someone that is useful to him. In uh, verse. Uh, 11 it says or verse 10 11 says, i appeal to you for my child onesimus whom i for before i have begotten in my imprisonment who formerly was useless to you but now is useful both to you and to me this word his name onesimus onesimus is it, it means useful um and that's what he is a play on word here that he's saying um he's now useful to both of us he wasn't useful to you back then but now he's useful to both of us in fact, uh, certain commentators think that Onesimus is the one who brings this letter to, to uh, Philemon. Um, Onesimus gets discipled by um, Paul. He gets saved, and he tells him, hey, you need to go back. In the Roman culture, he didn't want to do, um, you know, to, for a runaway slave, it's, it's, it's illegal. You know, you're, you're a slave, and you have to go back to your master. And Paul didn't want to do anything that would jeopardize uh, this Onesimus' testimony, and he didn't want to rob um, Philemon of a, of a slave that actually belongs to him. So he sends him back with this letter in hopes that they can restore and have a reconciled relationship. And Paul understands um, that this is all part of God's sovereign plan. Um, it says in the uh, in verse 15, for perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever. Um, meaning that he, Paul, understood God's providence and sovereignty, that he um, allowed uh, something that was evil, which is Onesimus running away, um, ultimately to be saved through the gospel, the preaching of Paul, and now going back to serve Philemon. When I was in uh, college, I had a, I took a class on African American literature, and then, and one of the days I said a um, office hours, my professor and I started talking uh, to her in hopes to just understand where she's coming from. And she claims we believe her. So, okay, then we can try to fellowship and see what's going on. And she says she hated this book. And one of the reasons why she hated this book so much was because it talks about a slave going back to their master. And, and I was trying to explain that, okay, the slave was different then, um, but she wouldn't have it. Uh, because I think part of her, her lacking understanding is this doctrine that I think most of us are, <clears throat> are forgetful of, and that is God's grace. We forget... Um, <clears throat> the propitiation of God and that he um, died for our sins. He took the wages for us. That's the, he took the, 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 the debt that was, me, uh, the punishment for our debt that's meant for us onto himself. And this is what uh, Paul talks about later on where he says like, whatever wrong he's done, charge it to my account. Paul understood his own debt in, into the Lord um, is written in scripture. Uh, he understood how much God has forgiven him and he wants uh, Philemon to forgive him as well. All Christians should be like this. All Christians should understand how much they were been forgiven, which was, should result in their ability to forgive others. Um, this book is written um, with that in mind. And I think the reason why I want to go through this book for this week is because I get the sense that um, not just our church, but churches in general, they have a hard time forgiving one another. 
if you look at all the current events that's going on with all of the divisions and different views on how to apply different things, there's just so much division and anger, and there's no forgiveness. People just are talking over each other. They're not trying to be united in Christ. And part of that lack of unity comes from lack of love, which then shows a lack of forgiveness. Um, and again, I think this is what's going on. And I think this is what I, I hope at least our church um, can be free from. You know, if there's ever any problems, our church uh, and any church and every believer really should be willing to let things go. Um, he sh- they should be willing to uh, forgive and for and look past these things, because um, this book really is, is such a treasure trope of of theology and love. Because we see um, just this like really a tangible uh, uh, way in which people are to live. Remember, I, I said this ties to the book of Colossians. Colossians, Paul writes and tells people to look toward the things of heaven and not to things of earth. The Colossians 3 tells the people to set their minds on the things above and not the things below. Later on, tells a, a Christian to live and to walk in a manner that's worthy to of their of their of their faith. Um, six, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen: Let the word of Christ richly, richly dwell within you, with all wisdom and teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to all. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him. To the God, the Father, and uh, later on, it, it actually says, "Like slaves in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service, service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than men." And it's, and and in going down to cha- uh, for chapter four, Colossians, masters, grant to yourself slave justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So Philemon is really like a practical example of those things that Paul wrote in Colossians. And we see like, okay, there's going to be a master and slave relationship that's going, that was because of something that happened in the past, uh, and they need reconciliation that could only be found in the gospel. You know, there are people that think that, uh, there are people that think that if you, when it comes to forgiveness, I can forget, and then, but I can, I can forgive, but I cannot forget. And when I hear that, even in the context of the church, I can't help but wonder if they realize that that's actually a lie. The Christians are called to forgive. They're called to forgive in the way that God forgives. How does God, an omniscient God, forgive and forget? It's because when he looks at us, he no longer actively thinks of the sin that we've committed against him. Even the future sins. Even those th- things that we've done to him, he doesn't see us differently because we, because we are clothed in Christ. He sees us with perfection. All things that we've, all we've done in the past, present, and the future, he doesn't dwell on those things. He doesn't hold it against us. And so how are we supposed to respond in the same way? We're supposed to respond exactly like that. When someone sins against us, we're to both forgive and forget. That means we actively dwell on things that are good about them. And the most basic thing that you need to understand is that that brother or sister is purchased by the blood of Christ. And if that is true, if they are a believer, then you have no other choice but to look at them the way that Christ looks at them, redeemed, reconciled, and restored to God. And therefore, you need to forgive. And I think that if you have any tension with anyone in the church, you need to make that right. In fact, if there is any tension at all, I would argue that you haven't truly forgiven. Romans chapter 12 is often the 
the chapter that people go to when it comes to reconciling relationships or maybe in putting away in when not to reconcile relationship uh romans 12 18 if possible so it depends on you uh, be at peace with all men so it's, like, people look at this as if possible and then they'll just say sorry and then that's it oh uh our relationship isn't growing and i treat there's awkwardness well i did all that i can um there isn't that that, that active pursuit of the other person uh, we often think, okay, they apologize, and then they're different parts of the uh, church, and I don't see them. That's fine by me, and that is not so. And I think the reason why I personally want to talk to us about this topic, forgiveness, because when they think of the, like that phrase, I can forgive but not forget, I think there are going to be people in hell that are in there because they haven't truly forgiven, and that's what the Bible talks about, right? And when God and Jesus is at the the wicked slave is someone who isn't willing to forgive. And if you can't forgive the way that God forgives, the way that God expects us to forgive, you might be heading to a very, um, uh, you'll be headed to a very terrible place because in your heart, you don't truly understand how much God has forgiven you of your sin um, because there shouldn't be anything holding us back in terms of loving one another. And I hope that as we go through this book, that you have a better understanding of forgiveness so that there would be no tension between anyone, whether it's your family, and particularly the, ch the fa church family, that there's no one in there that you can say, I have a problem with. Because look, if it's obvious to other people, then it's obvious that you haven't forgiven them, that there's still problems between you and the other person. And I hope that you truly uh, search your heart to see if you truly have any tension with anyone. And if you do, you really need to, um, you know, be moved by God's word to forgive those that have sinned against you. Again, that doesn't negate the pain that has done happened in the past, but it does mean that as Christians we have hope that we can move past this. That's what we're going to look at this week. I'll give you the outline now. Um, we're going to look at uh, the different attributes of forgiveness that we'll see in this letter. Um, first, is going to we're going to look at the the the, uh, the manners of a forgiving Christian. And then second, we'll look at, um, actually, we'll, we'll, the first one, sorry, uh, back to the first one is the models of a forgiving Christians, and the second, the manners of a forgiving Christians, and lastly, the motivation of a forgiving Christian. Um, as we go through this, I do hope that, um, that you will build in your hearts and mind an attitude to forgive those who've sinned against you. Because conflict will come. In, the, in a fallen world, conflict will come. But there is so much grace that we can derive from scripture that we should be willing to forgive those that hurt us. Take care and have a good day.